नमस्ते जय हिंद वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ ए एन आई पॉडकास्ट विथ स्मिता प्रकाश टूडे माई गेस्ट इज इंडियाज एक्सटर्नल अफेयर्स मिनिस्टर डॉक्टर एस जयशंकर An illustrious career of 38 years as diplomat, Dr. Jay Shankar was India's ambassador in China, the Czech Republic, USA, Singapore and then finally foreign secretary. He was picked up by Prime Minister Modi to be part of his cabinet in 2019 as external affairs minister. The articulate Dr. Jay Shankar is my guest today. Dr. Jay Shankar thank you so much for coming to the podcast you know every podcast that i've done uh, the comment section is filled with when are you getting dr jay shankar when are you getting dr jay shankar so today i'm really that, that's happy that's me commenting <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't believe one word of that <laughs> so now i'm so glad and my team is thrilled that you're here with us today and it's a uh, pleasure to be here thank you uh, so i am going to get into the macro issues of policy matters and and uh, you know india's neighborhood and all in the second half of the podcast okay. the first half is basically a curation of all that i've been seeing on the comment section where people said please ask dr jayshankar this so um the the question which most people had was that how did the transition take place from you know being a bureaucrat a career diplomat to becoming a politician joining mr modi's cabinet mm-hmm. how did you make that transition what tools did you employ well uh i didn't make the transition it happened mm-hmm. i mean uh, uh it happened because uh, as you know i come from a bureaucratic family uh we don't have anybody remotely in the family who's entered politics in any party at any time uh it had not crossed my mind i don't think it had crossed the mind of anybody else in my circle and uh, then uh, uh lo and behold uh, what happened in may of 2019 happened now uh once i entered i must say in all honesty i i myself was very unsure i mean i had watched politicians all my life hmm. you know one of the things you get to do in the foreign service by the way is you actually perhaps much more than other services you see politicians up close because you see them abroad you you know you're kind of uh, working with them closely you're counseling them so so it's one thing to watch uh but uh, to actually join politics to uh, to to become a cabinet member to stand for rajya because you know when i was selected i was not even a member of parliament uh so each of this kind of happened one by one i uh, slid into it sometimes without knowing it you learnt by watching others that's something you know uh, we say sometimes you you go to uh, to any foreign environment you kind of you you pick up by so for me this wasn't a foreign environment but it was a different environment so you know uh, you looked at others more senior people more experienced people in the cabinet in the party in other parties i mean mm. uh, i even today uh, just uh, see watch me in parliament i do follow a lot i i look very carefully at what uh, people are doing both in my own party and other parties i think there's a lot to learn from everybody so you get into it step by step sometimes you surprise yourself there is a there is a learning curve i i'd be honest with you out there mm. there are times when you are a bit uh, uh, hesitant or a bit even nervous uh, but then you know you do it once you do it twice you slowly uh, grow over it so uh, you know to to stand up there to uh, reason with people to make a speech 
uh, even sometimes, uh, you know, uh, because in bureaucracy, uh, until really Prime Minister, that is 2014, Prime Minister Modi's comment, mostly people were used to speaking in English. Hmm. So, so there was a language bit, there was a subject bit, there was a environment bit. There's, there's a different culture also. You know? As your skills as a diplomat, uh, it's, I guess it would have equipped you to win friends over easily, isn't it? I don't think it's so much a question of winning friends. Uh, uh, I mean, yes, uh, it it does help when you're a diplomat. You you in a sense are almost trained, I would say, mm. uh, to 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 get along, to to um, uh, you know uh, uh, get the most out of situations. Uh, some of it is also different people are made different different mm. ways. You know, uh, uh, I mean, you would see I very rarely get into anything personal with people, uh, even when I'm provoked at times. Uh, I, I think people are just made made different ways. But uh, I would say this. I mean, it's now, it's now uh, it will be four years four this years. summer. Uh, it's been a very, very interesting four years. I'm happy to talk with you later, later on about it. But when I, when I look at these four years, for me, Actually, it's been four years of very intense learning, you know, uh, go, going to a state which uh, I had really very little knowledge of. I'd been Gujarat. a few times yeah. Gujarat, you know, uh, uh, then having a particular area as, you know, as an MP, you work on, on you work in, on a village or in a, in a particular constituency. So all of these were learnings and... Mm. Uh, I find it very interesting. I find every day is a new day. I'll, I'm, as you can see, quite enthusiastic about it. Yeah. You know, when uh, Mr. Modi picked uh, uh, you to be part of his cabinet in such an important portfolio, everybody thought that, you know, you'd be like a technocrat or somebody. Like, you know, you bring domain expertise and you will be, you'll kind of restrict your uh, karma into that region. Mm -hmm. But then uh, one saw, you know, you evolved. You became like a like any BJP karyakarta, like any BJP worker. You're you're part of the party. You take the party line. You go to all states, not just Gujarat. You're going to Karnataka. You go to Tamil Nadu. I've seen you going everywhere, and uh, speaking about the party, it's become part of your uh, the the political part has also become part of your making now. Uh, well, uh, um, you know, for me it's interesting. That's how it seems to you, but look. Uh, one, uh, this government, this cabinet is very much a team cabinet. Okay. Mm. Uh, so uh, you don't do your own thing out here. You know, you may have a background, you may come from a stream, but this very idea that, you know, you will do your domain, as you say, be a technocrat, I, I don't think mm. it gels with what is this cabinet. Secondly, uh, when I was selected as a as a minister, I was not a member of parliament. I was not a member of a political party either. I had the choice of whether I would uh, join a political party or not. There was no compulsion on it. Nobody brought up that subject. Uh, it was something which which was uh, uh, left to me. I joined because uh, one, you know, uh, when you are uh, joining a team, you join it wholeheartedly. Uh, that is where you give your best performance and where you get the best support. And secondly, I, I really reflected on, on uh, you know, what is, what is the meaning of, of actually joining a political party. It's not a decision I took 
lightly. And as someone who's studied and analyzed politics all their life, uh, it it was something for me of of uh, great uh, importance. So I joined because I genuinely believe today that this is a party which captures the sentiments and in interests and aspirations of India uh, the best. Uh, and I get into other issues because again one of the differences you know moving from bureaucracy from a department or a service into politics you learn so much more when you are a member of the cabinet you know your exposure every cabinet meeting you know there are let's say 10 items the you know it could be on agriculture could be on infrastructure but you you get you get a cabinet note you read the note you are interested you will you will study a little bit more so you actually your your interest broaden and if your interest broaden when you go out there and speak to people it'll show up is there any difference in how uh, dr jay shankar the diplomat thought and operated and how dr jay shankar the external affairs minister politician bjp worker thinks and operates you know uh, see <laughs> in a way it's like uh, different lives you know mm. uh, now you you got to understand the challenge that uh, it was for me personally because uh, i am from a bureaucratic family you know my uh, my father was a bureaucrat i have elder brother who was a bureaucrat my grandfather was a bureaucrat and we have aunts and uh, not aunts but uncles uh, uh, who were who were uh, there so our world if i can put it to you this way was very very bureaucratic our goals our dreams were bureaucratic what I do mean, you mean by that meaning you know if you had asked me uh, if you and i had met which we had mm. uh, let us say in 20 uh, 2010 mm. and say okay uh, jashankar what's your dream i said i want to become foreign secretary that's the dream of any foreign service officer in in our house it was also particularly uh, you know it was something we put no, a great no you never said that no because you never you never in, asked me I, Uh, it was in 1993 i think that i first yeah, met you you, 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 never no, no, you. you you never asked me that bluntly but <laughs> had you asked me that look yeah it's a reasonable dream to have i mean after all when you uh, i mean if you, if you start a business or you do something you want to be the best in it right yeah okay, uh, okay? i mean there's nothing wrong with that sure so fine i wanted to be the best foreign service officer and to my mind the definition of the best that you could do was to end up as a foreign secretary now in our household there was also i would say i won't call it pressure but we were all very very conscious of the fact that uh, my father who was a bureaucrat had become a secretary but he was removed uh, from his secretaryship you know uh, uh, he was uh, he became at that time probably the youngest secretary in the janta government in 1979 uh, for viewers and listeners who don't know uh, dr jay shankar's father was dr k subramaniam who played a key role uh, in formulating india's strategic doctrine sorry for interrupting yeah. you so in 1980 hmm. uh, he was secretary defense production in 1980 uh, when uh, indira gandhi was reelected he was the first secretary that she removed and you know he was by i mean he was the most knowledgeable person everybody would say on defense uh, he was also a very upright person maybe that caused a problem i don't know but the fact was as a person he saw his own bureaucratic career in bureaucracy actually kind of uh, stall hmm. and after that uh, you know he never became a secretary again 
he was superseded during the rajiv gandhi period for his uh, uh, you know somebody junior to him became cabinet secretary uh, so it was something he felt we rarely spoke about it but it was obviously something which uh, which must have uh, mm. been inside him so he was very very proud when my elder brother became secretary mm. uh, and uh, 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 in my case uh, he he passed away in 2011 uh, at that time i had got what you would call grade 1 which is like a secretary mm. rank ambassador i didn't become secretary i became after he passed away but for us you know at that time the like the the goal you could say was okay we must become secretary mm. now as i said i had achieved that goal mm. so in 2018 i was very happy to kind of walk away into the sunset uh, i ended up finally walking not into the sunset but into tata sans mm. uh, and uh, you know i was i think contributing my fair bit there uh, i liked them i think they liked me uh, and uh, then completely as a bolt out of blue the the political uh, opportunity came now the the political opportunity uh, for me was something i needed to think about you know because i was i was simply not prepared for it so i did reflect on it briefly due to the pressures of time mm. at that time uh, and uh, when you say what is the difference between the the foreign secretary or the bureaucrat jayashankar and, and the, the minister thought process, uh, the, yeah. the, it's a different world it's a different responsibility it's a wider vision and uh, you know i i put it to people like this i may have sat 40 years in the parliament gallery it's not the same as being on the parliament floor uh, i used to sometimes in fact uh, you know Uh, Shishma Swaraj was my minister, mm. and uh, as foreign secretary, we used mm. to talk a lot. I mean, every mo- we had this practice. We used to have long. I mean, I'd go and see her every day, but of course, day would begin by her actually calling every morning. And uh, uh, I always had the comfort as a secretary. And if I I don't want this to sound immodest, I was a confident secretary. Mm. I believe I was a good secretary, but I had the. confidence that i have a minister and a prime minister above me who at the end of the day shoulder that political responsibility now come may 2019 that political responsibility is mine it's a completely different field mm-hmm. as a minister you have to look at it not departmentally mm-hmm. you know there may be something uh, let us say uh, which is Uh, i'm i'm giving you an example say wheat export to some country as of as a secretary i would say you know that country's relationship is very important but as a minister i have to say okay what's my own wheat prices looking like what are the domestic uh, uh, concerns out there uh, who you know who else do we need to talk to every issue hmm. every major issue has some political angle sure. which a minister will tend to see much faster hmm. than a bureaucrat however good that bureaucrat may be so it's kind of challenging yes absolutely it is okay so um, i don't know whether you'll answer this question but i will ask you that who uh, asked you was it the prime minister and uh, to uh, the, where what was the first time that you met mr modi and what did you what were your first take away of that meeting uh, the uh, who asked me meaning who asked me to join, to join the, cabinet? the government yes yeah. the prime minister asked the prime me minister. okay uh, when did i meet mr modi first I met him in 2011 in November 
in Beijing. Uh, I never met him before. Oh, he was chief minister then. He was chief minister then. Okay. He had come on a visit, hmm. uh, and uh, that's how our acquaintance uh, started. Uh, uh, I assume, in the light of later events, I must have made a good impression. Hmm. I can tell you, he may, frankly, he made a very big impression on me because I, you know, by by 2011, I had already uh, done. Uh, uh, I mean, I had done what. Uh, Two ambassadorial uh, uh, postings already. No, right? this was my third. Third one. Third. Yeah, and I'd seen. So Singapore you know, and Czech. Czech. So I'd seen you know people come and go, achievements. I had never met someone better prepared, better, uh, more serious, uh, and also more. I found him very interesting. You know, I I give you a, and this is a person by the way we are meeting here for the first time. Hmm. So uh, he. We go through this business briefing, you know what he should say, who is meeting, etc. Then he said that I want to talk about something different. Some political issues. I want to give a briefing on them. Which was a bit of a surprise. No chief minister had done that, and of course he told me. I mentioned it in one piece I've written, saying, "Look, it's very important for me that I'm abroad. I may be from a different party, but I shouldn't say or do anything which is different. You know, that too in a country like China." So uh, it should. Uh, it's very. You know, I want you to brief me mm. on on key issues. And we were having our problems at that time. Even at that time, there was a listing problem. Uh, there was staple visas problem. They were not dealing with our northern command. There were, you know, all these Arunachal. There was some Gujarati diamond. Uh, yes, that, uh, there was a bunch of uh, Gujarati uh, Surat uh, diamond diamonds, traders uh, who had also been detained. He mm. brought that up as well. Yeah. The uh, after I. Uh, did, you know, was hmm. done with him, and we went for the meetings, and then we were riding in the same car. So he said, "You know, I have this habit." Uh, he said, "I have meeting about my debrief later." Hmm? Hmm. Or agar apko kahi kuch lagta hai ki things are not okay, aap ishara kariye. Hmm. Okay. So I I remember this because you know for me there is a certain manner of working which he has. You know, he's all the time like gauging, uh, sensing, very very uh, sensitive to 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 this. Very keen that he should not make a mistake, that he should convey things accurately, that the policy, that the nuances are captured. This was my first uh, experience uh, mm. of him. After that, I didn't see him till he became prime minister. Okay, is it the same now? Before he travels, after he travels, when you travel, is it the same kind of thing? Foreign policy matters. You talk to each other. Where he asks questions, you answer. You ask questions, he answers. Is that how it works? It's no. You, uh, it is and it isn't. I mean, uh, uh, sort of uh, intrinsically, it is the same, but it's now on a totally different scale and leak. Sure. So uh, now, what happens is usually. You know, we would strategize before. You know, we spend. Uh, I mean, usually, I'd say, even not at the beginning of the year, but even in the previous year, we start thinking. You know, what should we be doing? Where are we going? Who should we engage? That kind of strategy session. Uh, when it comes to something specific, hmm. you know, uh, uh, it would it would uh, uh, it would be like he would we would go through the details of. Where we are going, hmm. 
you know what are the objectives who are we meeting what are their objectives so there's a there's a kind of uh, uh, i would say uh, strategizing and a uh, and a, a game planning which goes uh, well ahead and then it's repeatedly visited reviewed uh, so uh, so sometimes uh, even in the midst of meetings you would see us you know one of us lean across uh, and say something to him or him doing the same or if there's a break in a meeting you know we would have a quick confabulation i mean you you could i mean since a and i films lot of yeah. this you would often see you know there's a quick huddle yeah. uh, where you quickly saying something we are updating or he's sharing hmm. uh he's you know um uh we can't hear though because there's no, no fortunate <laughs> uh, thank god you can't hear because yeah. you know that would kind of destroy our uh, <laughs> uh strategizing we uh, should get somebody to mm, see the lip syncing and see yeah. what's happening there but uh, but uh, the he's very he's a very discussive person if you know what okay. i mean hmm. uh, and he has views uh, but he's very open to you know opinion agreement disagreement improvement mitigation it's it's very it's very so yeah. how do i say you know yeah. interactive a, lots of people say that he's he's a very ideas kind of a man in fact uh, you know uh, uh, some of the questions were uh, on youtube with that and uh, my team has made a, uh, a video which i'm going to show I'm, it to you i'm part of the east i'm part of the south i'm part of the west i'm universal <laughs> i'm india someone to say i'm doing this because it is for counter terrorism you know you're not fooling anybody by saying this thing mr soros is a uh old rich opinionated person if i could only stop at old rich and opinionated i would put it away but he's old rich opinionated and dangerous you know somewhere europe has to grow out of the mindset that europe's problems are the world's problems but the world's problems are not europe's problems our total purchases for the month would be less than what europe does in an afternoon i don't think we're sitting on the fence just because i don't agree with you uh, doesn't make me sitting on the fence it means i'm sitting on my ground i'm entitled to have my own side i'm entitled to weigh my own interests make my own choices you're asking the wrong minister when you say how long will we do this because it is the ministers of pakistan who will tell you how long pakistan intends to practice terrorism if you have snakes in your backyard you can't expect them to bite only your neighbors eventually they will bite the people who keep them in the backyard if i were to take europe collectively which has been singularly silent on many things which were happening for example in asia you could ask why would anybody in asia trust europe on anything at all if you are asking me i would say yes 2014 was a watershed moment yes things have changed better after 2014 yes our foreign policy has become more dynamic more effective more prominent after 2014 mr modi was very famous and uh, very demanding so how do you deal with that i'm so glad you chose that understated word demanding uh, so uh yes i i think the prime minister is demanding i think is rightly demanding because it's time that india had a demanding person as prime minister it's tough to work for a demanding boss but at the end of the day you actually if you feel that's the kind of person the country needs i think you are willing to do whatever you have to do at that time two democracies will end it differently and if you can prove that concept here then i think is probably the best way to sell democracy
Don't worry, Senator, one democracy will settle it. And you know which one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lindsay Graham. <laughs> so this, <All> right. <laughs> so this, this is what we, uh, you know, my team got this together. Okay. And uh, the same thing about being a demanding prime minister. They one has heard about how you have eleven p.m. meetings and eleven thirty midnight post midnight meetings happen with in this cabinet, uh, and it's it's like working, especially during COVID times when these crises happened, mm-hmm. the Ukraine mm-hmm. situation where uh, Indian students had to be evacuated. Those are like very tense times, right? And it's it's he's on the job all the time? Uh, well, look, uh, I don't want you to get it wrong. It's not like you particularly want to meet or the meetings happen at 11 o'clock or late at mm-hmm. night kind of thing. I think it's a situation, it's partly the Prime Minister's schedule. I mean, you mentioned, for example, uh, the Ukraine uh, conflict, Operation Ganga. Now, what was happening at that time was that uh, the uh, Prime Minister was busy campaigning in UP, if you remember at that yeah. time. Now, Last year, same time. Yep. Now, 24th uh, of February. I yeah, think. a little bit later. Yeah, 20th. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, now, it could have been, I don't know, maybe some other prime minister would have said, okay, guys, I'm busy with UP, now you go manage this. Uh, but uh, I think it bothered him. It, he felt he needed to to uh, to get a good sense. I mean, lives were at stake. So we would have situations where he would campaign the whole day, come back to Delhi. I mean, you could see the sometimes, you know, how exhausted he was. And then somewhere he would find that, energy and the, I don't know, the adrenaline. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we would meet late because he's come back late from campaigning. Mm. Sometimes the situation would would uh, call for it. I would, uh, I, I think I once mentioned this, maybe in one of those same occasions you showed me right now, mm. where, uh, which was our consulate in mazar sharif being attacked. And I, I remember it was, I think it was past midnight. And uh, I, I also have this habit of staying up late. And I, I like to clear my desk every day without fail. And uh, in fact, he called up. And normally, you know, some, some other guy comes up and sort of says the PM wants to talk to you. In this case, it was him. Uh, and so I think if there is something happens, he, he feels, you know, mm. he feels deeply about it. He, he sort of feels mm. it's not like ask somebody to do something. He wants to know that it's being done. Now, mind you, having said that, uh, I also um, uh, say this as his working style, that once an objective is achieved or uh, a, a mission is set or whatever it is, he then, you get the space to then carry it out. Okay. You know? mm. So, say Operation Ganga, I mean, he would want to know what we were doing. Uh, he would sometimes give suggestions saying but it was not like uh, he was wanting to you know get down he trusted you with with the details and that's why I mean for me the the uh, the sort of I would say the pleasure of working with him I mean what do you need from what does anybody need from a boss you need from a boss somebody who gives you a, a goal with clarity, who whatever their thoughts, ideas, etc. share. Then if you are the experienced operational person, you know, you leave them to, to yeah. figure out how it is done. 
you take your feedback you might want to course correct huh? but he gives you a lot of the space and which is why i think if you look at the last 7 8 years of uh, indian foreign policy we are able to move i, I mean i i give you uh, why operation ganga i'll give you operation dost right mm. now yeah turkey you know, yes turkey uh, the earthquake uh, happened i mean uh, i think literally you know in a very very short time uh, you know uh, he wanted to know what are our thoughts i kind of sent in our thoughts i very quickly consulted uh, you know my own people in my own ministry and uh, literally within a few minutes we were told okay you got the go now you know go you know talk to ndrf uh, whatever yeah, tell the in 48 hours if yeah. i'm not mistaken that they were already there we were less less than less 48 than 48 less, okay less than 48 hours. Yeah, you know, um, you were talking about delegation and about getting uh, things in order quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen videos of the Cabinet Committee on Security (CCS) meetings. You know, it looks like this is the creme de la creme of the cabinet. Everybody getting together, very serious looking, very tough, mm-hmm. and you you all look like you know, बहुत पहाड़ टूट पड़ा है, कुछ होने वाला है, कुछ बड़ा. What happens in these meetings? Uh, you know, we saw that Uri, Balakot, Pulwama. uh ganga operation ganga um we saw this with during covid times with how do these meetings takes take place what happens does everybody input output what happens there no it would vary you see uh uh if there's a larger meeting usually there would be some kind of briefer hmm. uh in any meeting because somebody has to put the proposition uh, and then uh, you know hmm. ob- obviously then uh the the uh, floor kind of gets opened up uh typically uh, the prime minister comes in sort of uh, uh late i would say i mean he allows people hmm. uh to to speak before he actually uh, says anything that would be a a, a norm uh, we may look very serious because usually when ccs meets it's a serious matter hmm. you know uh the Uh, the routine ccs meeting we have you know wa- yeah, wa- sure. uh, if there is some uh, something which uh, some agreement or uh, purchase or something needs to be cleared often you don't get the photo of it because you yeah, you, you yourself yeah. would not be yeah. uh, covering it so uh, you would not most of the pictures you do have would be of uh, occasions like uri or post galwan uh, you know where where the situation is serious and i think it's obviously reflected on yeah. our on because our, there's no briefing after uh, the ccs uh, we never get to know what happened yes but you look uh, i i think uh, governments at the end of the day are supposed to focus on governance mm. so so if you if you have i mean if there are decisions you made which need to be executed you're not going to come and tell the press guys we just made this decision and that is how it is yeah. going to be executed Okay, so now uh, let me come to uh, you know when we were talking about how you do your briefings to the prime minister, you do your briefings to the cabinet. Um, what happens when you're at, with parliamentary uh, committees? There is the opposition also out there. Par- parliament or in parliament? parliament, but the parliamentary committees there are opposition members also, right? The parliamentary committee on foreign affairs. Oh, okay, consultative committee. Consultative committee, yeah, sure, sure. right? So there are there are people from the opposition also in that. Sure. So. how how do you how do you convince them about policy matters well i i you know uh, i have uh, only experience uh, of my own committee because uh, both 
uh, as foreign secretary and as em i've dealt with them uh, the way i deal with them is uh, we take a subject uh, we tell them this is a subject normally we take something very topical uh, and then we would have uh, again a presenter uh, often it would be the foreign secretary could be some other secretary normally not then i open it and uh, uh, encourage everybody to to have their say and then what would happen is in some cases the presenter may respond but i would as a minister uh, sort of uh, 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 respond to every one of the comments uh, which are made by every one of the members okay. uh, so my intent of doing that is really one to underline to them that we take them seriously uh, to not them seriously but their concerns seriously mm. uh, to it does help in in kind of carrying them along and uh, sometimes in convincing them though politics is politics so sometimes whether they're convinced or not they would not they admit could, it uh, yeah. rahul gandhi didn't get convinced by you he in fact he said that uh, i think you were he i don't know the exact words but i think he said that you did not uh, know much about foreign policy matters you needed to learn a little more uh well let me let me put it to you more accurately this wasn't at a parliamentary committee hmm. uh abid in parliamentary committees we have interacted but usually what happens in parliamentary committee i try to keep to myself so i will not get into it with you either uh, this i think was something he said at some kind of public meeting hmm. somewhere it was that different. you don't know much about i think he uh, look i i cannot vouch for the exact words either but uh, i think it was probably in the context of china hmm. if china. i remember right yeah he's not convinced uh, about china yeah, that but you know i mean he thinks that you are what, opaque about it uh uh i don't know whether it's opaque or whether uh, you know Uh, there was a sort of a level of knowledge understanding i mean all i can say in my defenses i have been the longest serving ambassador in china i have been uh, dealing with a lot of these border issues for a very very long time mm. uh, i uh, uh, i would say uh, re- re- let me put it to you this way i'm not suggesting i'm the necessarily the most knowledgeable person but i would uh, have a fairly good self opinion of my understanding of what is out there okay but you know i'm i mean if he has uh, superior knowledge wisdom i'm always, as i said for me life is a learning process superior knowledge wisdom on china if he has i'm always willing to listen okay and learn from mr rahul gandhi on china if you think that that's a possibility uh, i okay. have never closed my mind to anything however improbable it is <laughs> okay yeah. all right um four years as foreign uh, minister of india and ninth year of the modi foreign policy mm-hmm. uh, what is the report card like i think it's a it's a very solid report card uh number one it's a re- if you look today at our global standing which is a very intangible measure of success but it's a very visible measure of success you know you you ask yourself uh, 2023 you know when a prime minister of india in this case narendra modi you know convenes a meeting walks up on a global stage how or a conference how do people react what compare it with even with him 5 years ago hmm. uh, perhaps with 
his predecessors, many of them. I would say today our global standing uh, is clearly very much higher, mm. is, is uh, uh, quite good, quite strong. Uh, number two, uh, uh, strategically, uh, I think there is today much greater clarity in our own thinking and in our own operations. And I say that as an implementer of foreign policy, that, you know, uh, people know there's a neighborhood first. Neighborhood first means build your connectivity and your contacts and this is your first priority. Then they know there's an extended neighborhood to the west towards the Gulf, to the east, ASEAN, to the South Sagar, Central Asia. There's a set of policies which do that. Then they know there's a policy of engaging the major powers. Uh, they know there's an Africa focus. So there is today a lot of uh, strategic uh, clarity about our strategy and that's necessary if you are serious about operationalizing it. Third, in terms of operationalizing it, you, you know, uh, we, we do today projects uh, in, in almost 80 countries in the world. It's, you know, most Indians don't realize how much we do abroad uh, today. And those are often the test of our credibility. And there's been a huge improvement there that projects which would often lie for years, mm. uh, you know, unfinished, uh, struggling for something, the the efficiency of that uh, has improved. Uh, on big global issues today, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, the expectation is that uh, India would have a say, they would uh, uh, have a voice, they would have an opinion, uh, and they would, uh, if necessary, uh, you know, uh, have more than that. Uh, and this could be climate change, it could be counterterrorism, it could be black money, I mean, you look at the at the big. It could be something like maritime security, uh, even today trade, investment, uh, that domain, technology. Uh, then, I would also you know point to the fact that uh, we have been able to uh, to uh, very clearly demonstrate to the world that we are a exceptional international power, meaning we are willing to do things for others, perhaps more than most other countries are at this point of time. One is this sort of first responder record we have built up. Turkey is the latest. That if something happens, if it is reasonable, if it is within the realm of possibility, you know, India is there early. India Operation is there Maitri early. also. Uh, yeah, Maitri, yeah. Uh, Operation, uh, you know, I, I, I can give you so many, uh, yes. a, a whole, whole uh, list uh, list of these, you know, uh, Rahat in Yemen, yeah. uh, Sankat Mochen in Sudan. Uh, but, but the COVID vaccine yeah, is something no, no, I was coming. Everybody. I was coming to that. Yeah. Those, are, those are one country or one region yeah. or one situation. If you ask me a single thing we have done uh, in the last 10 years which has shaped uh, global views about us, uh, I think it is vaccine matri. Yeah. That... Uh, the the you know it's almost uh, uh, I would say not it it's uh, almost emotional to hear what people come and tell you uh, uh, about that. And yet there was uh, criticism at that time, if you remember, Dr. Jayashankar, because people said you haven't managed to or we haven't managed to vaccinate all of our population, and here we were sending vaccines abroad. There was a lot of criticism then. I, I don't know if there was a lot because I think people... Domestically, are, at least, there no, was. I, I think there was loud criticism from the expected quarters. 
Uh, I don't. I would not consider it lot of criticism. Uh, you know, it's very interesting in this country. You would have people who, when you do things, say, "Why are you doing it?" When you're not doing it, say, "Why are you not doing it?" If there's consistency, the consistency is in opposition to anything you do. Okay. Uh, the the fact is, I think most people in this country understood uh, that you know it's the right thing to do. And let me tell you uh, one thing: when Delta came. Delta wave came uh, because it wasn't only the vaccines. You know, before that there was a hydroxychloroquine, yeah. there was a paracetamol, etc. Yeah. Think how many countries did their bit to help us, and some of them, yeah. you know, like say President Biden, the Americans, they said very clearly, saying that look, India helped us, and we are going to help India. Mm. So, uh, you know, this very uh, sort of uh, short-sighted view, and sometimes, as I said. You know, the people who claim to be internationalists suddenly become super nationalist. Hmm. You know, uh, be, beware, beware of such people. Because I am going to uh, come to yeah, that yes. whether we are hypersensitive as a country, uh, you know, to criticism. Because uh, you saw that little video that I played uh, in which uh, George Soros' statement on democracy, yeah, so, which so, you so, took so, on, so. you took on, and you you said that you know you said he was old, rich, opinionated, no, no, and dangerous. I know what I said. Yeah. Right yeah. now. There's also the the op-eds which come in foreign media, which say that um, that they blame India for now for crony capitalism and say Mr. Modi's image has got hurt. The BJP, on the other hand, says that there's a there's a conspiracy uh, against uh, India, rising India, and uh, you know Mr. Modi's muscular policies, yeah, sure, and sure, and sure. it would be nicer to have a meek and submissive no, India. Look, uh, Smita, uh, I have dealt with the world for a long time. Uh, I have dealt with the media. For I even had a media job at one point of time. Okay. I want you to step back. Don't think incident by incident. They say this. You know, something happened. You said this. They said this. The media said. I don't want you to do that because it's you're really losing the woods for the trees. I want you to think. Step back and think the last nine, ten years. Okay. What you have from different quarters is, you know, an episode there, a decision here, an adjective added here, you know, a photograph done there. It's like drip, 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 like water on stone. They, the whole idea is to shape your image, you know, your collective image. Shape it in a way in which you are made to look extremist, you are made to look unreasonable, you are made to uh, look as though, you know, you are not part of this, what is otherwise a great, good, uh, progressive world. Okay. Now, it happens in different ways. You know, every time we make a major decision, you talk about us being hypersensitive. I would put it to you. Look at the hypersensitivity of the of the media. You know, look how people jumped up and down when Article Three Seventy was was uh, you know uh, decided upon. Now, or you know, even even this example that you know uh, millions of people will lose their citizenship. And then see sometimes the dishonesty of the it. CAA one that yeah, you're talking see about. See the dishonesty of it. You know, you had reports. And, uh, you know, I'm look, I'm not personalizing it. You know, mm. I've got nothing against individual A or B or newspaper A or B. 
but each one of them has contributed their bit okay you actually have people who would suggest problems in assam are because of narendra modi now you and i know i mean come on this is indira gandhi's time okay but that is whitewashed you have people who say oh there's serious problem with judiciary because the there's an ex chief justice who is now entered parliament is it for the first time no there was ranganath mishra did it earlier so you know our institutions come under attack you know suddenly i would as i tell people say what you will for me you know the to me the uh, the which one of us doubts our election commission which one of us goes to vote and thinks the the result is not what what is true and you know uh, uh capturing the the integrity of the process and yet what will happen you know that comes under pressure so there is an attempt and it's a, it's a very very clever uh, attempt and it takes different forms you know we had a very very tough time during covid so you But, are you saying uh, it's all I, coordinated no 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 i think there is a mindset i think the mindset i would say there's an ideology uh, uh the i i give you the example of covid okay i grant you we went through a horrible time in covid i mean many of us lost people in our families friends acquaintances look at the coverage of our covid did people not die in other countries did we see that coverage out there did you see that kind of photograph from other countries i mean you heard of bodies piled up in parking lots in other countries yeah so i'm putting it to you this way look i do think that one of the uh, uh, challenges today is you have due to in my view and mm. you know you may or may not agree with it over 70 75 years what has happened is actually democracy has worked in this country and the proof of democracy working in this country is cities you know uh, if you look where is your leadership coming from they are no longer the people necessarily from big cities and english speaking schools mm. okay they are people of a different background and it's, again i'm not talking individual here i'm talking of a generalized uh, phenomenon you look at the mindset of the society this society today has become much more assured about what it believes in there was a time when actually you kind of kept that as though you know uh you're not supposed to talk about your cultural beliefs uh in front of other people so yeah. you actually have a huge Did change Did you experience that when uh, when you were in JNU not talk about indian you culture know, you were, you know JNU that was in the in the 80s no, 70s, 70s, 70s 70s in the 70s yeah. Uh, look, you're diffident about your own culture. I mean, I I saw this comment in which you said one of the greatest diplomats that India has uh, was Lord Krishna, and there was Lord Hanuman. You mentioned him also, and uh, it's it's not something that is spoken about in diplomatic circles, and even in the media, who the beat journalists would never think of diplomats, and not even you. And you know, when when you think about it, you're. your background your journalism are you sorry your education mm, well yes and no because you know i it's also it's a socialist had, no, hub. no no i also had a lot of home education okay, okay. say jnu was different i was i was 18 hmm. when i went to jnu okay and jnu was very very firmly leftist hmm. at that time uh, and i think uh, everything you know at 18 what you intuitively believe is either formed by your friends and acquaintances or what 
is reflective of your home. Uh, and uh, definitely in our home, my father, who was a very strong influence on us, uh, uh, was very distrustful of ideologies and people who he believed uh, were not, uh, uh, who did not have their loyalties uh, uh, in our own country. Such uh, as? Well, you look, you know, you're, you're not talking, remember, he had his own uh, views about what was happening in the 40s and 50s hmm. uh, at that time, you know, who was for the national movement, uh, you know, where did uh, different people, uh, you know, how how did they switch? Remember, at that time, China there was a there was a big China issue. Revolution. I mean, yeah. we we are. Uh, oh, okay, we, you're talking yeah. the war and things. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, war, yeah, the post revolution. War. Okay. Yeah. So I he he particularly I think had uh, he was very very distrustful of the left. Hmm. You know, uh, uh, so of the communist left, hmm. huh? uh, and uh, uh, I think some of it. So in a sense, we grew up. Uh, very unspokenly, but very strongly, as very patriotic children, hmm. uh, you you might say. You know, we kind of went to uh, this uh, military uh, institutions. I went to Air Force School, to uh, King George's Bangalore Military School. Uh, my my uh, siblings went to uh, some of them went to uh, Naval School, to Sardar Patel uh, hmm. Vidyalaya. So, hmm. I think that was the kind of mindset I took into JNU. So, in fact, in JNU, which was a dominantly leftist outlook, where the teachers, the students, the administration, everybody was very leftist, my lot of people, my cohort were the first set of people hmm. who actually politically took on the left. Okay. Uh, and and actually, uh, we had a meeting, uh, we had an election even where uh, the then... Uh, uh, Prakash Karat was the was the uh, uh, SFI candidate. He, uh, he won one election. He lost one election. So, I you know I I where did you stand in that? Oh, I was very clearly with what was called the free thinkers. Free thinkers. Yeah, free okay. thinkers was a assortment because other than the left, there was no other political. And there was uh, no tukre tukre in those days. No, no. That see that all that came very much, much yeah. very much uh, later. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, I would say that sense of uh, 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 nationalism, uh, uh, connection to country, this was kind of instilled in us. On the cultural question, it was very interesting. You know, uh, when I did my book, I have a chapter on the Mahabharat uh, mm -hmm. in the book. And uh, uh, one of the Delhi journalists asked me this question, said, you know, I find that a very surprising. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, yeah, partly because maybe you don't know me that well. But we learned, all of us, I'm talking my siblings as well. We read Mahabharat very early. Uh, in fact, very often it was the subject of uh, discussion in our house of, uh, you know. And we approached, a lot of it was approached as strategy, as, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a sense, uh, what our own epics. And by the way, we were a very, uh, I would say, cosmopolitan household. It wasn't, you know, um, the... You know, the same father also gave us Iliad and Odyssey and uh, other things as well. Okay. So, so you had Homer on one side and you had the Mahabharata on the other side. And a lot of things in between. And, and a lot of a things. Lot of things. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm sure you had Plato, Plato and Aristotle too. I'm a political science student. Yes. I, I actually studied those. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
Yes. So um, I'm going to come to this whole thing about the sensitivity issue. Do you feel that, you know, because many say that ban this and ban that. Uh, do you believe that that is a solution to it? Banning a documentary here, banning a book there, uh, asking a, a, a channel not to broadcast no, in no, India. No, no, no. Look, uh, I, 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 I don't think that you are asking the right question. I would... I would ask you, I'd ask you a counter question. What is it we are debating? We are not debating just a documentary or a speech that somebody gave in a European city or a, you know, a, New York. a, new, a newspaper uh, edit somewhere. We are debating hmm. actually politics which is being conducted ostensibly as media, as... so. You know, you, there is a phrase, war by other means. Hmm. There is also, think of it, this is politics by another means. I mean, you'll do a hatchet job. Then you want, you want to do a hatchet job and say, well, you know, this is uh, uh, just another quest for truth which we decided after 20 years to put out at this time. So, uh, so I mean, come on, you think the timing, timing is accidental? I mean, let me tell you one thing. I don't know if you, election season has started in India and Delhi or not, but for sure it has started in London and New York. Hmm. Okay. So this is what it is that, you know, there's a lot that is say, being said that the rise of Mr. Modi and consequently the rise of India. These two things are happening at the same time, which is not acceptable to people in these Western capitals that you're talking and certain Indian quarters too. Do you agree with that point of view? I, I mean, do you doubt it? I'm asking you. No, I, look. Look who welcomes because Ashley it. Because Ashley Tellis, you know Ashley Tellis, right? Who are cheerleaders? No, 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 let me, yeah. let me answer, answer your question. You know, what is happening is, just like I told you, this drip, 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 how do you shape a very extremist image of India, of the government, of the BJP, of the Prime Minister? Huh? I mean, this has been going on for a decade. Okay, let's, let's not uh, have uh, illusions about it. How some of this has a different variant, which is you will say something, there's an echo chamber, you'll, it'll be picked up outside. Then you'll say, aha, see, they're saying it outside. That must be true. Then you'll say it inside. So there's a ding-dong uh, going on. See, look, this is a globalized world. People take that politics abroad. Politics of India doesn't stop at its borders. Sometimes politics of India doesn't even originate in its borders. It comes from outside. You know, Ideas come from outside. Agendas come from outside. Otherwise, please tell me. Please tell me why suddenly, uh, you know, there's a surge of reports and, you know, uh, attention and and views. I mean, were some of these things not happening earlier? I mean, I, I gave you the example of Assam. Yeah. I mean, you, people speak about, okay, you had to make a documentary. Many things happened in Delhi in 1984. Why didn't we see a documentary on that? If, if that was your concern, that you suddenly, you know, you felt suddenly one day, okay, I'm very humanistic and I must get justice for people uh, who have been done wrong. So, uh, so look, don't, don't kid yourself. This is politics at play. This is at politics at play by people who do not have the courage to come into the political field. They want to have the Teflon cover saying that, you know, I'm an NGO, I'm a media organization, etc. But they are playing politics. You know so that, how I does, know that. How does BJP react to this? Is it, or your government f for that matter, is it react 
you know is it a reactory reactionary measure that you have to take how, how do you no, counter uh, look, this i i think we will put our point of view across hmm. and as should be rightfully done in a democracy eventually the public will give its verdict which is electorate that's what it's only mean. by the ballot that these things if no. he gets reelected that means that they have been proven wrong is that it is that what you're saying look i I I would say yes among other things because in a democracy uh, I mean don't you trust the ballot box and the uh, people's verdict to be the final opinion I do I know there are some people who believe that their view supersedes uh, elections so in fact by the way I mean even that look look at this term I like you you win election great democracy I don't like you you win election what are you electoral autocracy Yeah I heard that term. What what a great yeah. term right? Mm. That's reserved for people you don't like who win elections. Mm. So this is politics my dear. So if there's so much money being going to be pumped in how does how does India react? How does India even deal with it when you don't know that there's one enemy or this is amorphous no, no, entity? No, look I I would say uh, it uh, I think there is, there should be and there is a battle for narratives which goes on. Uh, there will be narratives designed to damage us we have to put out narratives designed to expose people or designed to put our viewpoint across i think we will hmm. uh, uh, my my own sense is that uh, most people will through their i mean they, you know this is a pretty informed age you know uh, hmm. uh, that that era when uh, people had only one or two sources and they control thinking hmm. i think that's gone by a long time ago let me come to the uh, foreign policy issues which i said we'll do in the second half of it you know um increasingly domestic issues and the foreign policy have become interlinked uh, foreign policy matters used to be something which uh, domain specific people handled it and foreign beat journalist demystified it for you but it's no longer the case and one saw it happening one during covid when everything everybody wanted to know why are we giving it to this country why not to that country how much are we giving do we have enough then there was the caa there was the farmers protest there was nupur there was so much that was happening uh, how do you deal with this it's like literally you know the you know that game that children play where you go on beating things it was like that in that that two year period was really tough no no uh, 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 the uh, no i was smiling at the imagery you <laughs> you uh, invoked now look i the in a globalized era what happens is that everything from the world comes to india everything from india goes out in many ways it's a good thing it has its own challenges it has its own vulnerabilities so uh so how does it impact us that's really your question yeah what it does is uh i have to often as part of my uh, narrative setting explain uh, explain uh, things to foreign audiences so i i i give you uh, an example take take this whole scare mongering that millions of people are going to lose citizenship hmm. now you tell people saying that look this was said now one year has passed two years has passed three years where are these people you know you this after all we are supposed to have a cataclysm uh, in 2020 so uh, and when you even citizenship when you start reasoning with people ask them saying okay tell me do you not have a criteria of citizenship do you 
do you not use language or some people use religion people use language they use religion uh, they use education some of them even use income uh, some use ethnicity so when you tell people saying look i reflect on your citizenship practice hmm. i mean what do you do so often what happens is uh, you know and and see that's where the battle of narratives is very powerful read the bulk of international papers especially the anglosphere papers but all of them how many of them tell you 370 was a temporary provision i challenge you to show me one you know yeah. they don't is written there in bold letters in capital letters in the constitution but then that's because india itself didn't put across that point of view no, right no. it's Hello, like the plebiscite no no, 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 no so, it is sorry, true sorry sorry uh, we were listen i can put across something if you have shut your ears to it no amount of hammering away at it it's it, not see when when kashmir was being discussed pakistan used to keep saying plebiscite 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 till till the 90s that word plebiscite kept hammering it was you know that it is a disputed issue it till uh-huh. india's narrative started being heard unless you are loud and you impose your narrative you don't get heard in the world no i i uh, completely uh, agree with you smita so i i try not to be loud i try to <laughs> get my narrative across in a elegant and uh, effective way uh, maybe at time sharper than people may want but uh, i i accept your point that we need to get our narrative across and that is exactly what we are trying to do in foreign policy but i also put it to you sometimes that i feel that i'm talking to an audience which is deliberately deaf that they do not want to hear sometimes they do not want to absorb sometimes that and and there is a very strong bias i mean let's let's be frank about it you know newspapers there are newspapers i don't want to go into names who will publish something absolutely ridiculous on one side and you say okay i want to counter it they say no 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 hang on a moment i'm busy doing a fact check on what you are saying so we saw this bias very very clearly over the last uh, four years i think it in fact i expected to uh, if anything grow uh, as the election comes closer because i i don't think uh, you know this is without a political Uh, political political direction and purpose so domestic uh, politics playing a part domestic politics uh, mm. you know uh, it could be domestic politics it could be covid it could be you know uh, okay. it could be different big business playing it, its part also it could it could be look i'm not a conspiracy theorist okay mm. i'm uh, what i'm explaining to you is actually politics at work okay it doesn't have to be conspiracy at work Okay. but there are but why why is it uh, why is it difficult to uh, to understand that there are ideologies and political forces outside india very similar to those in india and the two are working hand in glove i mean i'm putting a perfectly common sense proposition before you and part of the problem is when political forces in india are not doing so well Uh, electorally they tend to kind of summon up this uh, this support system if you would or the echo chamber or call it what you would they are uh, the congress party is saying that uh, that in that the indian government is the modi government is defensive reactive when it comes to china that neither mr modi nor you even mention china you just say eastern neighbor hello uh, please then then they must have 
some problem understanding words beginning with a C. Please look at everything I've said. Hmm. That's not true. And what about this thing that they say that uh, almost thousand square kilometers has gone and the foreign minister is not facing facts, not telling us the truth no, 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 in no, no. parliament? No, no. Look, uh, I, I, I think they are deliberately misrepresenting uh, the situation. I give you two very uh, specific examples of that. You remember that whole halla which happened on a bridge? You know, they were building a bridge in Pangongso. When did that area actually come under Chinese control? Yeah, I've seen that. You said that it is long back. I'll tell you when it came. The Chinese first came there in 1958 and Chinese captured it in October 1962. Now, you're going to blame Modi government in 2023 for constructing a bridge with the Chinese capture in 1962? And you don't have the honesty to say that is where it happened. Or let me give you another example. You know, uh, these border villages. Now, there were border villages which have come up in areas which the Chinese actually, you know, in Longju, uh, there was a clash and uh, uh, it's not a secret, you know, at that time it was hotly debated in India, in the parliament, in the media. So, what happens, you do the smoke and mirrors, you know, say, oh, there's something happening here. It's almost like 1962 never happened. It was like, you know, we should be uh, I, I let let me give you a very very uh, a different example. Everybody say you know we should be having our troops up there. We should be building border infrastructure. Hello, why didn't you build that border infrastructure? I just look at the budget of the border infrastructure during the Modi period. The budget has gone up five times. You know, till till 2014, roughly it was three thousand four thousand crores was was the budget. Today it is fourteen thousand crores. If you look at the, uh, the roads which are built, you look at the bridges that are built, they have doubled or tripled. You look at the tunnels which are taking place. I mean, this government is serious about border infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Whereas we know the underlying thinking earlier was, you know, let's leave it like that, then the Chinese can't come inside. Which meant you had no intention of contesting them when they came in. So, you know, I find it very thick that... Uh, you know, look, I don't think personally I would get into a blame game. Hmm. You know, what happened in 62 happened. But if you now want to whitewash all that and say everything happened only in 2020, I, you know, I have to call you out. No? So you're fortifying the border, the boundary, uh, India-China. So does that make China now the biggest threat to India? Are we in a state of of a quasi-war-like situation, no, conflict-like situation. No, no, look, Where are we? No, no. I, 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 first of all, I'm not using the word we're fortifying it. I think we are legitimately building our border infrastructure because they have built their border infrastructure. In my view, we should have done it 25 years ago. Again, we are reactive, that means. I mean... Look, Your words, no, Dr. No, Jayashankar. No, no, not at all. Look, they are the bigger economy. Hmm. I mean, what am I going to do? As a smaller economy, I'm going to... Uh, sort of uh, go pick a fight with a bigger economy. Hmm. It's not a question of reactive, it's a question of having common sense. So, secondly, please bear in mind one thing. We had an agreement that you're not supposed to bring military to the uh, uh, to the, to the border in large numbers. So, by that logic of yours, I should be the first to break the agreement. Why not? 
No, why, why should why should I? Because it doesn't make look. Please understand. Why are we always no, the ones not breaking an agreement, and it's always no, the other side no, breaking no, the no, agreement? No, no, Shweta, I I I think you need you need to uh, sort of take a very uh, okay non-aggressive no 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 considered view of this. Okay, we don't re. Why do we reach agreements? We reach agreements because it is in our interest to stabilize a border or a situation. Okay, it's not out of love and affection uh, and sentiment that you do. It's it's cold. calculation and common sense okay our agreements with china were reached in 1993 96 i'm not even getting into which government etc i mm. i think i try to avoid this this whole debate okay you know i don't like in foreign policy maybe it is because i've been myself so long in this field mm. i don't like to necessarily say these people were right and those people are wrong i don't don't think it serves the nation well okay but if i do find that others are playing a political game where everything is being blamed on the present dispensation and entire history is being whitewashed i think the history has to come out okay now on uh, the the question of breaking the agreement or not breaking the agreement generally countries as a rule uh, sensible countries do not because what do you need most in international if you have a reputation as a country which breaks agreement what do you think is the worth of your agreement that is china Where have they kept the agreement with any country? No, no. Look, no, no. Hello, from or Pakistan for that from, matter. From nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety six. Okay, not a single 2020. bullet. No, no. Okay, no. Forget bullet. From ninety three, ninety six till twenty twenty, was that agreement observed or not? Hmm. So how can you say you know the agreement is not worth a piece of paper and nothing? All agreements must be. They broken. took Aksai no. Chin. They nineteen sixty two. Sixty two. Between they took Aksai Chin between nineteen fifty eight and nineteen sixty two. Okay. So, if you didn't need agreements, why did you sign them? I mean, you went in nineteen eighty eight. I mean, Rajiv Gandhi went to Beijing in nineteen eighty eight. Correct. Okay. December you signed 18. agreements in ninety three, ninety six. I don't think signing those agreements was wrong. I I disagree with you. Hmm. I mean, and this is not a political point I'm making. Okay. I think those agreements were signed because at that time we needed to stabilize the border, and they did stabilize the border. Please also note that. So this idea, suggestion of yours that people sign and compulsorily break the next day—that's not true. Hmm. Now, why can't we not? Why can we not come to an agreement on where is the boundary? Where? How many rounds of talks? And it doesn't—it's non-conclusive. Because when uh, people are the the claims, when any other country's claims are not reasonable. you will not come to agreement i mean you and i can come to an agreement if i make claims on you which are not reasonable but you will concede it because 25 rounds have happened hmm. you have to look at you know what is what is being discussed as well no right so okay so look uh, you know if i were to sum up the china thing i mean please do not you know buy this this whole uh, i would say again i use this word this this narrative that somewhere government is on the defensive you know somewhere we are being accommodative i mean i ask people if we were being accommodative who sent the indian army to the lac rahul gandhi didn't send them narendra modi sent them okay we have today the largest peace time deployment in our history on the china border okay and we are keeping troops there at a huge cost with great effort we have increased our infrastructure spending on the border five times in this comment so now tell me who's the defensive accommodative person 
in fact the question you should ask is who's actually uh, telling the truth who's depicting things accurately who's playing uh, footsie with history i think those are the questions which should be asked okay let me go to uh, pakistan and there's a number of people who are now e- expressing serious concern that here is a nuclear nation which is on the verge of an economic collapse if that happens it's in our neighborhood are we ready the influx of uh, people who might come in into our country how do we deal with this uh, situation where that this country could collapse no i i think uh, you know uh, pakistan's future uh, is largely determined by pakistan's actions and by pakistan's choices i mean nobody reaches uh, a difficult situation uh, sort of suddenly and without cause so it is for them to find a way out uh, our relationship today uh, is not one you know where uh, we can be relevant directly to that process uh, if i were to for example compare it to sri lanka which is a very different relationship mm. with sri lanka still there is a lot of goodwill in this country uh, there's there's naturally a neighbors uh, concerns and worry but there's also a feeling look uh, you know we have to help them to get through this uh, tomorrow if something happens to some other neighbor that would be the case as well but you know uh, the you know what the sentiment in this country is about pakistan yeah you know you were talking about these concentric circles when you said the neighborhood and then there's the second uh, one of the most dramatic achievements of your foreign policy has been uh, india's newfound status and reach out uh, to the to the uae to the islamic world to the kingdom of saudi arabia uh, that's been quite an achievement mm-hmm. when was that decision taken to reach out because otherwise it all that one heard was that oic has something to say on kashmir that was the maximum that one heard even though there was this large indian uh, people of indian origin living in the middle east i would say uh i started hearing it first soon after i became foreign secretary so it had been early 2015 it is possible that the prime minister may have had some thoughts and discussed it with other people before i came back to delhi i can't i can't uh, watch for it uh, i'm glad you brought that up because uh, if you were to ask me in 10 years give me two three examples of some big changes which have happened uh, in our in our policy uh, i would certainly uh, put uh, our change relationship with the gulf mm. uh, very very high uh, up there on the list uh, why didn't it happen earlier uh, my own sense we want a very very honest answer is i don't think people were strategic earlier mm. i think they, you know when you have a vote bank mentality uh, you actually you you're not serious about foreign policy and uh, i would say operationalizing it for you it's like a slogan that they are with us or you know uh, so we kind of treated it as that's a place that you know they we get our petrol uh, energy from there there's a big community out there and the rest of it was like a like a uh, like a distant you know uh, a goodwill uh, which you needed for your political vote bank calculations i think when you got a different government which said we are you know we we actually want something deeper more strategic with full elements of full spectrum relationship we have the ability today to deliver on lot of issues of your concern as well uh, we 
are serious, you know, part of it, one of the reasons why the Gulf looks at us. The Gulf sees today's India as much more credible than the India of 10 years ago. And, you know, as they say... That's in spite of India having a right-wing government now. I would say, you know, that's that's why you need to think of this kind of labels. You mm-hmm. ask people in the Gulf, do you prefer Prime Minister Narendra Modi or any of his predecessors? I'm willing to take a bet with you. Every one of the Gulf countries would say, I prefer the uh, Prime Minister Modi. Why? I think they think he's a more serious person. Uh, he's a person who makes who's more credible, uh, who's who's actually broad-based that relationship. Hmm. He's done more for the relationship than everybody else. And, you know, I, I must once, t- I, I tell you very honestly, uh, I, I was once at a conference in the Gulf and I had some friends hmm. from across the parliamentary hill with me. Hmm. And uh, this issue came up. And the person from the Gulf actually, and this was like maybe 2018, 19, he said, you know, these guys, he's looking at me, he said, they've done more in four years than you guys did in 40. That's the kind of image there is in that part of the world. Is Kashmir on the table now? It used to be, I know. Is yes. Kashmir on the table when you deal with uh, countries in West Asia now? No, I, I, what do you mean on the table? Do they speak about it? Do they ask no. you about it? No. No, why would, I mean, look, Kashmir is part of India. I mean... That, that's it. That's that, it was always a part of India, but after the abrogation, there was a Pakistan had up the ante. Does that matter at all to these countries? No, it doesn't now? come up in any of my conversations. It doesn't come no. up. Okay, I'm going to go on to these new partnerships. Okay, <laughs> the new partnerships that are happening, you know, the Quad, the I2, U2, India SEO, India ASEAN, all these which are happening, the opposition tends to say that though India is now partnering in all these groupings, where is it going? Is it just, are it's these just talk up. shop? It's, it's going well, it's going up, it's going good. So what's the problem? That that these are just talk shops and these are places where uh, nothing gets done actually. That India doesn't, uh, this whole thing about, you know, Vishwaguru and things, where India is just posturing. No, no, listen, the opposition has to say things, no? They are opposition. Hmm. Why would... Why would that be the basis for any serious question on your part? So where where are we headed in as far as G20 is concerned? Uh, it's become no, no, a people's no, movement. No, hang on. Make up, make up your mind. G, are we talking G20? Are we talking the, Quad? We're, no, they're very different. So I2U2, BRICS, SEO. No, no. Look at the number of partnerships that we have now. Okay. Ah, all right. Very good. Let's stop there. Hmm. Why do we have so many partnerships? Answer, because we get along with so many people. How are we able to manage different kinds of partnerships? Maybe because we're good at it. Maybe because they see value in us. Are they delivering things? Well, it depends on them. Take Quad, for instance. Uh, definitely Quad has delivered uh, on, on a number of issues and likely to deliver on many more. Uh, in the case of I2U2, it has just started, but already uh, there are projects on food security and renewable energy which have come out of it. In some cases, like BRICS, which, by the way, was not started recently. It has an old yeah. history. Uh, they are not meant to be necessarily translated into specific outcomes. You know, often they they express a, a collective position on a set of issues. So I think it depends on, on uh, uh, the forum concerned. I think you can't club all of them. Uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Hmm. Uh, but... Uh, if 
I, I, I mean, as I said, the opposition will say what it will. But you please go out there in the world. I've just come back today from Australia. Yeah. You know, uh, people regard Quad as probably the most uh, important foreign, you know, strategic foreign policy development uh, in the last twenty years. Yesterday you were in Sydney. I mean, you just were in Australia. Today you met with Senator Chuck Schumer. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's this uh, whole talk that you know India has moved so close to the Western Bloc. Uh, that our position, which was centrist with non-alignment, no longer exists. Is that over? Uh, well, people who say that must have been on a holiday through January when we had 120 countries, mainly from the global south, engaging us in what I think was probably the largest such exercise going on in the world. And uh, yes, we have very good relations with the US. Uh, generally with the west i don't think there's any reason for us to be defensive about it i think it's in national interest uh, in fact uh, if you uh, you know uh, if you look at the the big changes in the world uh, i this is something which uh, has been very much uh, in the making uh, especially in the last uh, decade but in all of this please see how how strongly our relationship with russia has held steady so uh, I mean, surely you do not suggest that our relationship with Russia is any the less uh, over these years. So Prime Minister Modi uh, said, uh, uh, told uh, Putin that, you know, this is not an era of war. War is not going to be the solution, uh, you know, to problems. Do you feel that the world is seeing it like that about the Ukraine crisis? I think the world is still very divided. Hmm. Mm. The sentiment that Prime Minister voiced uh, is a widely shared sentiment. It's also a sentiment which is particularly strong in the countries of the South. You asked me what is the voice of Global South, you know, yeah, what yeah. was that about? Look, today you have a huge number of countries in Africa and Asia and Central America, Latin America, Caribbean, Pacific, who feel that our issues are being put on the side and the entire oxygen is being sucked up by the Ukraine conflict. So nobody's really worrying about whether I get food and what cost I get food, what's happening to fuel, uh, you know, fertilizers, uh, debt. Um, and today, remember, even middle-income countries are going into debt. Hmm. Okay. So uh, the what we uh, want to do, and I think that was very much on Prime Minister's mind, he wants uh, somewhere to create a momentum for peace, if you would. Hmm? Hmm. And I think that was his first public expression. Remember, he'd been talking to President Putin and Zelensky uh, on yeah. the phone as well. And that was his first uh, public expression. In practical ways, we've been helping out. You know, when this Black Sea grain deal was done, hmm. we did a little bit there to help. When I was in... Um, in um, uh, New York, the Ukrainian Prime Minister hmm. uh, actually uh, had some concerns about the safety of the nuclear power plant. So I spoke to RPM and then got his approval to, uh, you know, uh, to both engage the Russians and pass on some messages there and the IAEA uh, as well. Uh, we are working with the UN Secretary General uh, on some issues, uh, particularly fertilizer because. Uh, a lot of the uh, countries of the global south, the developing countries, they are facing serious fertilizer securities because Russia is one of the biggest exporters uh, of fertilizers. So 
uh, I don't, you know, uh, I think it would not be fair today to reduce a very complex issue, the Ukraine conflict, to a, you know, binary of are you for, are you on this side or that side, are you for peace or for war? Uh, I think it's much more intricate than that. And we are involved in some of the intricacies. But we have to, you know, wait and see where this is, where this goes. Uh, you know, if, if you know, what, what both Ukraine and uh, Russia know is that uh, if we can be of any use, uh, we will uh, be willing, you know, our, our uh, sort of uh, uh, capabilities and um, uh, sort of goodwill uh, is there uh, for that. We'll have to wait and see where this goes. So has the war impacted on this, on the relationship between India and Russia no, and between Mr. Modi and Mr. Putin? No, no. I look, our relationship with Russia, I think, has been extraordinarily steady. Uh, it has been steady through all the turbulence in, in global politics. So, as I said again, you know, uh, the opposition, perhaps it's their job to criticize. It would be nice if they do it with a little bit more information and accuracy. Uh, but uh, I I do think you know some of what they say needs to be put through some kind of lens you know some kind of filter of uh, yeah, you're putting it through a reality. sieve right now uh, reality and, and not very much is coming out of that okay. sieve uh, right. so so look I think today we are in a good position I mean we began you asked me what is your nine year report card uh, my relationship with the major powers is very good. I grant you that China is an exception. And it is an exception. And please notice, I said China, C-H-I-N-A. Okay, you uh, mentioned it. Yes. So, so I, I grant you that China is an exception. It is an exception because China has violated agreements that we have and is today uh, has a posture on our border for which I have to have a counter posture. Hmm. But overall, my relationship uh, with the Major powers, if you can call them, are very good. I think our relationship with Europe is probably the best ever that we've had. Uh, our relationship with in, in the Quad, the Quad has really been uh, a very, very uh, effective mechanism. Even in which uh, Australia, Dr. Jayashankar, there have been attacks on Gurdwaras and temples in Australia, Canada, UK. In, on temples. On temples. Mm. And in uh, in Gurdwara in Canada, uh, there's a temple in temple. Temple in Canada. Canada. Okay. Yes. So, uh, how are we going to react to this? Or no, we, what we, we have taken up, we have taken the, we have taken this up and we have, uh, uh, you know, cautioned these governments that, you know, these are very radical extremist forces at work hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, that uh, they need to uh, they need to you know respond to it appropriately okay I, as i wind up i'm going to ask you a couple of questions come back to you uh, you know uh, you were in fiji and at this uh, uh, hindi conference and you were speaking Vish, in hindi vishwa vishwa hindi vishwa hindu hindi, hindi samelan and so how many languages do you speak you're a polyglot i've heard you speak no, to no, russian no 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 this look this is this is all Tamil, i'm i'm hindi, very i'm very English. very modest and realistic in making claims uh, uh, i i obviously i speak english i i speak hindi uh, i won't say at a very high standard but with a kind of a uh, street smart fluency. The Tamilian uh, uh, Hindi, yeah. or is it a JNU Hindi? No, no, it's it's it actually a Delhi Hindi. Delhi. Hindi. I mean, I grew up in. I was born in Delhi. Hmm. Okay. You I, were born in Delhi. Yes, okay. I was born in Delhi. 
Hmm. I was born in Delhi. I grew up in Delhi. I spent, you know, most whatever time I've spent in India is largely Delhi. So it's a very Delhi person's, uh, I would say, uh, fluent, not always uh, complex uh, Hindi. But I, I think I'm. You were uh, you're breaking the stereotype uh, of a Tamilian uh, speaking Hindi, fluent Hindi. You do speak. So, so uh, but you know, because I grew up in Hindi, I I didn't have the advantage of ever studying Tamil. Tamil. I spent very few years. Ah, you grew up in Delhi, so you uh, speak. Yeah, huh? in in Delhi, huh? I spent very very few years in. But you can uh, speak Tamil. I can speak Tamil, but huh? uh, not with. Uh, not uh, you know with the kind of fluency and uh, command of vocabulary that I would like. Russian, Russian is different because I actually studied Russian when I was in the foreign service. Hmm. We are allotted a language, huh. so I went there. So I actually properly studied it using books and so on. It's been many many years, but uh, what uh, uh, I have a certain vocabulary and a very very uh, there's a, that residual memory. So once you go in there. Uh, you know, it takes just a few days, but the you know the the vocabulary of foreign policy. Uh, if I were to watch, let us say, news, I'd be able to get a lot of that. Okay. Uh, if I were to be on the street, it'll take me longer because there'll be accent, you know, mm-hmm. more colloquial uh, stuff. Uh, I have a certain, uh, I would say, uh, working a rudimentary sense of Japanese because I do need to talk to my wife from time to time. Okay. Right? So this multicultural uh, yeah. uh, exchanges that you have at home, tell me about that. Japanese wife, Tamil husband. No, how does you know? Look, uh, what has happened is we've we've kind of evolved something which is peculiar to us, and this happens, you know, mm. in this situation. I mean, it could be your food, it could be your slang language, you know, what you say to each other. I mean, we use phrases which somebody else listening in would find very difficult because there could be Japanese slang put in an English sentence, mm-hmm. sometimes with a Hindi twist. Because my wife, my wife's linguistic ability is much better than mine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, so we we sort of end up uh, with some kind of uh, I would say. Uh, uh, mish- she can speak mish- Hindi too a little bit. She, she speaks of, Hindi, but she huh? again picked it up without studying. Without studying. Yeah, yeah. Without studying. Okay. So I. My, you know, uh, I I learned uh, Hungarian, uh, but unfortunately, it's very rusty because uh, you the you know when you don't use a language, it, reading it, ulta uh, no? no 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 Hungarian is uh, <laughs> sida uh, yes okay uh, but it's a it's a it's a very complex language okay uh, so it's a Finno Greek group hmm. so. Uh, so people make more claims about me than I do myself. I'm very, very... Uh, Everybody can, can. wants to know, are yeah. you going to contest Lok Sabha polls in 2040, uh, 2024? Uh, I am a Rajya Sabha member. Hmm. Uh, my term expires this year. Hmm. After that, we'll have to see. No, no, don't give... You know, see this... I don't know how many... 25 years maybe I've heard these diplomatic answers from you and tried to no, find answers. Uh, no, no, look. Uh, on, on... Would the, you want to? Uh, on these things... You know, I, I tell you... Uh, I'm going back to your first question. I'm actually honestly in awe of people, of everybody, irrespective of party who have spent their lives in politics because you actually don't know how incredibly hard it is, how demanding it is, you know, what, how much it takes up, not of your time, but of your life, you know, the kind of effort that they put, you know, there are uh, no Saturday, Sunday, 
holiday, morning, night, nothing. And it's only when you are in politics that you can actually see uh, what it is. And I would say those who particularly contest Lok Sabha, they are like at the cutting edge, hmm. cutting edge of that. Because it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous demand. But uh, most people on, would on think that it's a life of privilege. Lal Bhatti Wali Gadi, Latins, no, Bangalore. No, look, uh, I, I, I know that is, the, uh, that is the popular impression. And I say this, uh, you know, uh, please do not think I'm saying it because I joined politics. I'm saying it because actually I, I'm only now getting into political life and I'm getting into it uh, at a fairly ripe age uh, from... From another profession. Even I did not realize it till, you know, I would watch politicians, as I said. You know, mm. watching them, meeting them from time to time is very different. When you actually see the lives, live the life, you know, uh, the the kind of travel they do, the kind of uh, openness of, you know, which you, with which you have to... Uh, keep your activities going. It's, it's a huge, You're doing huge, that uh, in Rajya Sabha. Uh, you're doing that as a Rajya Sabha MP. You're traveling a lot. You're traveling within the country. You're traveling no, no, but, outside but the look, country. Look, I, it's not. It's not a patch on what what the others do. I mean, because I I do spend, uh, you know, as a minister, I have to spend a lot of time here. As a Delhi person, I have to spend a lot of time here. You know, the the Rajya Sabha demands are far less than the uh, Lok Sabha demands. Mm -hmm. So I I look at my honestly my colleagues, and again, this is a non-political. It's a non-partisan point. It's a political point. I actually marvel at at really, you know, how much of an effort people in politics have to make. It's a it's a very tough life. You know, just in conclusion, when I talk about when you were saying non-partisan, uh, I must comment on this that when when you joined uh, the government, there are many uh, in my uh, friend circle, in my colleague circle, who were like. Why does Dr. Jay Shankar want to join politics? Why he's had such a sterling career in uh, in bureaucracy, and many felt very let down when you joined politics. That you know now you've chosen a party, you represented just India, but now you've chosen a political party. And in 2014, there was a kind of a watershed moment, and maybe even 2018 later, 2019 too, where even, in, you know, it, Mr. Modi brings that out in many people. The people adore him and they're on, you know, like him a lot. And on the other side, they feel that, no, not him. So when you chose to join the BJP, you made that choice. You moved away. Did you feel you lost friends at that stage or... Many people who moved away from you? No, look, I, as I said, I gave it a lot of thought. Uh, remember, I became minister at the end of uh, uh, May. Uh, I think I joined the party, I can't remember the exact date, but I must have thought about it roughly for about a month, you know. Uh, I mean, thought about it means not like every day thinking about it, but I gave the matter thought. Uh, I... I joined because my sense is that they are the right party uh, at the right time for India's uh, rise and progress. Because at the end of the day, when you ask, so what are you in it for? You know, uh, after all, which one of us would not like to say, I also made some difference somewhere? You know, mm. the country went up and somewhere. 
you mm. can debate how much play the role huh? Huh? you play the role so uh, uh, i as a you know i had no active desire to to join politics at all i mean to me as i said it came as a complete uh, surprise that the prime minister could even consider me uh, for for such a such a job and i became a minister before i kind of Join, entered a yes. political party so i would be somewhat different from many other people mm. you know who may have also been in bureaucracy before before they mm. went down that route uh, i do feel sometimes that you know uh, uh, the uh, the uh, argumentation the debate sometimes the relationships the civility uh, especially in delhi Uh, is uh, is more polarized than it should be than it should be for the people concerned or for the good of the country but you know sometimes that is that is the way uh, it is you're a pakka uh, delhi boy you've uh, also lived in washington dc uh, i think it was reagan right who said that if you want a friend in this truman truman who said, go, he said get, go a, get dog. a dog yes. go get a dog do you yeah. feel that about delhi too no 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 look i i i still uh, i do not get the time to socialize anymore uh uh i snatch you know uh, hello there and a cup of coffee here sort of thing but i i wouldn't say that maybe i you know some of this are arguments with people i've known for a long time mm. so i i i i i know what you are saying i i know there are many people uh, who uh, you and i have both known for a long time yeah decades uh, uh, decades Uh, who have political uh, preferences which are very yeah. uh, different from mine uh, but you know my my understanding of what uh, our life in a democratic society is supposed to be is that you know uh, you you each have your viewpoint i i don't necessarily build my friendships uh, on on party positions do the others do the same others meaning the others those same people who are unable to keep up with those friendships because of your political decision i i honestly don't know the answer i think that's something you have to ask them uh i mean i uh i i do accept that you know in the last few years there would be people who who whose political feelings are so strong mm. that uh, you know it may have uh, it may be coloring the vision of me but i would say at least my closest friends mm. many of whom by the way are not bjp supporters or modi supporters uh, my really closest friends i have not seen that happening what is your day of like what, last question mm. when you want to chill when you want to relax what do you do um read a book music go oh, for a meal no no what or, do you do or, or look i i i read a lot even otherwise i don't need yeah, you know because i that. i'm on a plane you know yeah. if you're on planes Uh, and you a, fly commercial yeah, you don't I, even take a special aircraft yeah i i fly commercial as far as i can yeah uh and uh, and you're the old fashioned you carry books yes i carry books you're not a kindle person as yet or you're not you're not all that uh, you still I, carry those old fashioned yes because you know i can you know books at least i'm old fashioned i do watch movies hmm. uh i uh, usually download it on my you know so hmm. Oh no, oh I've no. never seen you watching a movie in a flight or you know chilling with a movie. I've always seen you with books. Uh maybe we should fly yeah. together. <laughs> huh? All right. On that note, thank okay. you so much for All this right. conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks.
Thank you for watching or listening in to this podcast. Do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this. Namaste, Jai Hind.